And so as we know these things and we know these reactions, we can start to implement skills that not only decreases the release of the neurotransmitters and the stress hormones, the trick, and I do mean trick our brain into saying, hey, you're okay, you're safe, mm -hmm. but also help strengthen the parts of our brain, like our prefrontal cortex, that is all about problem solving and can, you know, tell the amygdala to go take a hike. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. So we have here today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, Carissa Weber. Welcome to the show, Carissa. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Carissa is a mental health therapist working towards ending the stigma of mental health by making science and coping skills easy to understand and use. As a mom, she also understands the importance of making these same skills work for us on our busiest days. Today, Carissa and I will be discussing the brain science behind stress and anxiety and the importance of maintaining our mental health. So Carissa, let's just jump right in. Yes. <laughs> Tell us more about your journey and what got you to where you are today. Oh, well, I will make it short and sweet. I grew up in central Wisconsin where, you know, there's more cows than psychiatrists or doctors. Um, went to college originally for nursing, fell in love with psychology um, and immediately started grad school after that and realized through my own um counseling that you have to do as part of becoming a therapist um, that, you know, all the quirky things my parents used to tell me that were quirky about me were actually ADHD and anxiety. So um, yeah, so you fast forward, I've, gosh, I am a licensed professional counselor in Wisconsin. I'm also a clinical substance abuse counselor in Wisconsin. And yeah, in 2020, things kind of got dicey for all of us including us therapists. Um, telehealth became a really big, amazing thing, but the thing that wasn't so amazing is I didn't have the hours of accessibility to people. Uh, my normal caseload was almost double just because so many people wanted to get in. And I had no referral sources to other therapists because they were just as full as we were. So I decided to create my blog, That Darn Amygdala, as a way to kind of be something and a tool that I could be like, hey, I know you're waiting, waiting sucks, but here's something that you can at least read and do in the meantime while I'm trying to get you in. And so that started officially in March of 2021. So we're, I'm actually at next week celebrating the one year anniversary of the blog. And it has just been a fun little journey that allows me to kind of get out there and help people truly understand why their brains do what we do when we're stressed or anxious or depressed, but also too, to go over some coping skills where a lot of people are like, yeah, my therapist told me about this, but it's just distracting. It's like, no, there's actually science as to why we're teaching it and how it rewires our brain to be less anxious, to be less nervous, to be less depressed. And it's really been a joy to write this for people because I think a lot of literature out there 
doesn't break it down for layman's terms. I mean, I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and reading research journals make me go, what did I just read? <laughs> I can't imagine anybody who isn't familiar with the terms or how things are labeled could understand it and get any benefit from it. So that was kind of what made me start it. I love that. That's so awesome because mm-hmm. you're right. You do like I too, I'm a mental health professional here in Montana. Mm-hmm. And to explain like, and there's things that I will say that um, my clients will have never heard of. Yeah. And being around like in the profession, it's so common sense to me. Like it's it, exactly. but to the general public, like the people that are struggling with anxiety and depression and mental health disorders, yeah, they don't have access to this. And so you were oh. able to create that bridge to bring that knowledge to the people who need yeah. it most. Exactly. And that to me, um, you know, when we talk about this means so much because there's so many people and I've noticed when I explain it in session, the neuroscience behind what's going on, people are more likely to follow through with what they need to do because they're like, this is actually creating a change. We're able to talk about what we know is that change. Like example, looking at our heart rate and using our heart rate to say, is this mindfulness still working or not? Um, But the other thing that's really been cool about this is I think it has helped destigmatize mental health in general, because a lot of people are so afraid to reach out that this is a resource that unless someone has public history of your your internet searches, um, it's information given directly to you. And it explains it as this is not just mental health, it is brain health. And we know our brain is a physical part of our body. So your mental health really is your physical health. And that I think is what I love most about what has come out of that darn amygdala. Because it connects the two. And it, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see where that would, that would help people be more likely to seek help knowing Mm -hmm. that it isn't just like, they're not they're It's not something fundamentally wrong with them. It's something going on with their brain. It's not something that they're just imagining or that Mm -hmm. they're not seeing. It's something that's actually physically Mm -hmm. going on. And that's, what's really cool about it is a lot of people, they think because you don't see it, doesn't mean that it's not physical. I mean, it's, it's been able to bring that connection and that awareness that if we were able to stick your head into an MRI machine, we could pinpoint directly looking at your brain without knowing your history and say, that's a person with depression. That's a person with anxiety. That's a person with trauma. That's a person with bipolar. We can do that. Um, will insurance allow us to do that? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> but if insurance allowed us to do it, we would have a diagnostic tool that would indeed indeed support these diagnoses. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't quite understand because there's, again, so much um, secrecy shrouded around mental health. So what what does it show? Like, what does your brain do when you're feeling stressed and anxious? Mm -hmm. And and I'm sticking to depression and anxiety, although there are many mental health disorders. Oh, yes. Because that's one of the ones that has definitely increased or that we've seen an increase over the past two years. So what does our brain do? Yeah, and it's funny when you look at the studies that have been done since 2020 compared to pre-COVID, you know, we are now at a point where one in four people Uh, report having been diagnosed with at least one mental health condition. 
And out of those people, those one in four people, 80% of them have been diagnosed with anxiety. So it is really kind of a big thing. Whereas pre-COVID, that diagnosis number was significantly less. So as we're talking about this, one of the things that we notice and kind of the namesake of the blog is when we're stressed and anxious, our amygdala lights up in our brain. And so just for people who are listening, understand the amygdala is a part of our brain that is centrally located that controls our emotions and is designed to be impulsive to help us make quick decisions to keep us safe. And so when we're anxious and we're stressed, our amygdala is taking information that's coming in from our environment and saying, hey, this isn't okay. And so it sends off this red flag warning to the other parts of our brain. It does this by releasing adrenaline, norepinephrine, and our favorite stress hormone, cortisol, which increases our heart rate. It decreases our ability to sleep because norepinephrine keeps us awake and focused. It decreases the oxygen in our blood because it's getting ready to either fight or run away or play dead and freeze up. And then these signals go to the part of our brain that stores the memory to say, okay, how did we react to this in the past? And as it's going through this, the amygdala says, nope, you're too slow. I'm just gonna do this. And as it goes through with this, that's what gives us the stress response. For some people, and I, I liken it to myself, I'm the type of person when I'm stressed, I find myself having to keep myself busy. I try to control everything. Yes. Everything has to be neat, organized. There's list upon list. And there's some of us that, that that's our fighting spirit. That is the fight, flight, or freeze. There we go. Response. <laughs> and then there's some people when they get stressed that their bodies shut them down. They avoid things. They find themselves sleeping way more than normal. They kind of procrastinate procrastinate. There we go. My mouth and my brain aren't working today, <laughs> but they procrastinate on tasks that could increase stress. And that's their bodies shutting down and flying away from the situation. And so as we know these things and we know these reactions, we can start to implement skills that not only decreases the release of the neurotransmitters and the stress hormones, the trick and I do mean trick our brain into saying, hey, you're okay, you're safe, mm -hmm. but also help strengthen the parts of our brain, like our prefrontal cortex, that is all about problem solving and can, you know, tell the amygdala to go take a hike and not be so stressed the next time around. Okay, so what are some of these skills? Oh my gosh, <laughs> my favorite, my favorite one, and I do this with my kids, and I have to say, because I know we talk a lot about moms and this idea that we have to be super women and that we have to be there for our kids. Let me tell you, if you already struggle with stress and anxiety and depression, chances are your kids are going to. And it's not necessarily just because of a genetic component, but they watch you. And so they are learning from you how to react. So these are skills, especially that I give out to parents, because if you do them with your kids in front of your kids, not only are you decreasing the stigma of mental health, but you're teaching them a different way to handle their stress. And they're more likely to do it too. And one of my favorite things to do every night with all three of my kids is we sit down 
and we squeeze ice cubes. Huh. <laughs> it sounds weird. It sounds really, 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 really weird. But <laughs> excuse me. But do tell us. <laughs> yeah. So when we're squeezing our ice cube, this is part of a larger skill called tip. And DBT skill, amazing skill to regulate not only our sympathetic nervous system, which is our heart rate, our respirations, our body temperature but also regulate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our stomach, our vagus nerve. We've heard so much about the vagus nerve. And so what we do about 20 minutes before bed is we all get our ice cubes. I put them in both my hands and we squeeze them. And we talk about the physical sensations that we're feeling, whether it's the chilliness or the burningness or the wetness. And we allow our body to focus on that. And so while we're focusing on that, what is happening is our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain up here, is telling the rest of our brain, hey, there's something physically going on. We can't focus on what you're feeling. We have to focus on what you're physically doing. So as we're describing it, we're noticing the heart rate goes down. We're noticing respirations go down. And so as we start that, it's an amazing way to kind of reset the vagus nerve. Now, my daughter, my middle daughter, is my little anxious basket case. She takes after her mother. So we'll take those ice cubes and we'll even put them on our chest. And then we'll describe the sensation. And as we're doing that, it's slowing down our brain. It's releasing a neurotransmitter called GABA, which calms us down, especially when we have a temperature change. And then we can breathe again. And it is such a cool little trick. And here in Wisconsin, I'm sure in Montana too, most of the time we can just go outside and grab some snow. Right. <laughs> We've actually been having really beautiful weather, so don't. I, I was going to. It was funny because we got, I think yesterday, I think we got four inches of snow. <laughs> so my husband keeps saying, oh, summer's right around the corner. Because I'm not a fan of winter. I'm like, yeah, don't even. Thinking... We're in Montana. It's, we have until like the end of May to say that. Like, Yeah, I usually, I don't consider it spring at all because we usually get a massive snowstorm in the middle of April. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's... <laughs> Stop kidding yourself. This is fool's win, you know, fool's yeah, Exactly. I want to share with you how I can help you get back to feeling like yourself so that you can love yourself and your life as a mom. If you're on the verge of burnout, feeling exhausted and overwhelmed by all the things you have to do, and you're so busy taking care of everyone and everything else that you have zero time for yourself, then listen up. You may have thought that when your babies were out of diapers, you'd have more time for yourself. Then as your kids grew, you thought that they, when they started school, you'd get back to doing things that you'd like to do. Well, now you're realizing that it's been way too long and your life has been so focused on taking care of it all that you can't even remember what it is that you like to do. And when you look in the mirror, you barely recognize the woman staring back. Well, I can help you. I know you can do it all. But why is it that trying to do it all is leaving you constantly feeling like you can't? You're trying so hard to keep it together on the outside, yet you're falling apart on the inside. I want to help. I understand what's happening because I've been where you are now. As a clinical therapist, a coach, and a fellow mom who was once drowning under the pressures of what turned out to be my own expectations, 
I want to share with you the tools and strategies that have helped me to reclaim myself and design a life I wanted to be living. Together, we will recover your sense of self. Imagine making time in your day to not only hear your own thoughts, but to recharge and feel alive. As we work to minimize mom brain, you will absolutely feel more centered and balanced. Right now, you may not even know what it is that you need or want, but soon enough, you will be able to ask for exactly what you need. You'll be able to engage in your own passions and interests without feeling guilty, and you'll find that you can be more present for your children, and who wouldn't want that? Not to mention, you'll finally be able to rest once you learn how to give yourself time and space to do so. Your relationships will improve, not only with others, but you'll love who you see in the mirror. Ultimately, you'll feel more confident about yourself and you'll be more willing to dream bigger, leading to a more fulfilled life. But I need you to take the next step. Click on the link in the show notes of today's episode to see what days and times I have available so that we can see if taking the next step together makes sense. Book a call today to start your journey to reclaiming and loving yourself. So, but the other skill I love teaching, especially to busy moms, because we all, we all want to multitask. We all want to be present for everybody. And God forbid we, you know, have a guilt complex if we don't take care of other people. (laughs) The other thing I love doing, (coughs) excuse me, is paced breathing. And again, this is a skill that I practice with my own kids as you part practice of practice when you're calm, right? Like you have you to practice, practice exactly. that muscle memory mm-hmm. it when you're calm instead of when you're in that anxious moment. Exactly. So then it also means as you practice it, and as you mentioned, we have to practice. Um, things don't work automatically with the brain. No different than when we're learning a new sport. We're not going to be amazing at it the first time we do it. We have to practice but we practice on a very regular basis how to breathe. And people are like, wait, you, you have to learn to breathe. It's like, yes. Because how many times at the end of the day that you, you realize you don't even take a deep breath the entire day. You're holding that in. Uh Uh-huh. So we talk about how to breathe with our diaphragm and, you know, having one hand on our stomach, one hand on our chest and taking a breath and inhale in, into our diaphragm for five seconds holding it for two seconds and exhaling for seven. And we exhale through our mouth. Now this happens in a couple different ways. And especially with my one daughter, check your heart rate before you practice and check your heart rate after you practice. Because when we are stressed, our stress is triggered by the lack of oxygen. So what happens when we're stressed and we're not deep, you know, deep breathing, we are hanging on to carbon dioxide which is a trigger for the flight, flight, ah, tongue twister today, the fight, flight, or freeze response. And so as we practice this, and I, you know, we take five breaths practicing like this, then we check our heart rate because as we have more oxygen in our body and we're creating an oxygen exchange, we are decreasing our heart rate, decreasing our blood pressure, and naturally slowing down our brain. So these two things are things that even when I am anxious or when I'm stressed, I practice in front of my kids and they know. They're like, okay, mom's having a time. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about it is even, even my 12-year-old son, 
who thinks that mental health just isn't cool right now, because <laughs> mom talks about it a lot. I catch him doing it when he's trying to like do his math homework and he doesn't understand it. My 10 year old uses it on a very regular basis. And my three-year-old goes around, mom, I need to breathe. Which is, to me, it's adorable. But to me, I'm like, yes. Yeah, she's she learning knows it. At, the, at such a young mm -hmm. age. How do you think that has impacted you as a mom? Like being able to use these techniques. <coughs> How does that make you like a better, a better mom and a better Honestly, person? I am more present with my kids. I am more honest with my kids. I'm able to do things with them versus saying, you know, I got to get the dishes done. I've got to get dinner done. Wait a minute. I got to sweep the floor. Wait a minute. I got to get this done. Oh, you guys didn't get the laundry switched out yet. <clears throat> I'm able to let go of some of that. So I can look at what good things are happening with my kids. And what's even better is it has made parenting and understanding why my kids do what they do so much easier. Because oftentimes our kids show us that they're struggling by throwing temper tantrums. They don't have the vocabulary to say that I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm exhausted. And so when we practice these techniques together and giving them the space to say, hey, I, I, I'm noticing that your body is not really liking you right now, can we practice this? It allows us to open up the dialogue. So we're not grounding our kids nearly ever. <laughs> We're not doing that. We're not having issues at schools with fights or bullying. Um, we're not having discussions, especially with our 12-year-old son. He's not shouting at us and slamming doors at us. He's like, can I have a minute to go practice this? And then we have a discussion. And to me, as a parent, that means the world because then we can actually address what's happening and what the issue is versus punishing a behavior that we don't like right mm -hmm. right you can you're better able to get to the source of what's created mm -hmm. and that like I said is amazing and to see the transformation in my kids and it's kind of cute because my son and my older daughter are at that age where I start introducing like the hand model of the brain if you're a therapist, you know the hand model of the brain. And so my my 10-year-old is with her anxiety is really bad. She is the one who kind of came up with the slogan saying, shut up, amygdala. <laughs> she screams it very loudly. And it's to me, it's like, yes, you get it. There is no stigma of mental health here with you. <laughs> hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. There is no stigma of mental health here with you. <laughs> and it does, you know, that that hopefully by the next generation and generations going forward, that that stigma lessens. 
so that people can can talk about it and will get the help they need and Mm -hmm. when it's struggling I there's commercials and this is it just reminded me of it for better help and like it's just really Uh funny how they like the guy will walk in with like broken Mm -hmm. all his body parts broken like no, I don't want to get help. Right. Like it's the same thing with mental health. Like mm-hmm. we push things in our, if we're feeling anxiety or feeling stress, or we're feeling like all sorts of negative emotions and depression and these symptoms are happening and people are still scared to get the help or scared to say, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm hurting. Like, well, and isn't... I think some of it isn't just the stigma of mental health, but some of it is this idea, especially in Western society, that we have to be everything to everyone, yes. and we have to do all of it. And the thing is, as humans, we're not meant to do it all. Right. And mm-hmm. when we're able to take that step back and recognize that we may have set the bar impossibly high and we start mm-hmm. setting more realistic standards for ourselves a lot of that starts to disappear. A lot of that stress, that burnout, um, or even when we talk about our, you know, being parents and being touched out where we're, you know, we might be people, people, but we we need a break from everybody. Yeah. And so that's, what's also cool about this is it allows us to recognize that we can't do everything. Right. Right. And when we try, it just leaves us feeling like we're failing at everything. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I can, you know, for all the, the women, the parents listening, it's okay to not get everything better homes and garden yeah. <laughs> pretty. Right. Like okay. some of those expectations. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I have so many clients that come into my office and they're like, you must really have your stuff together. And I'm like, if you looked at my house. Yeah. <laughs> is it comes down to what is your priority Mm -hmm. how can you achieve your priority and what are things you're okay letting go for a day or two right right to me I can let the dishes go for a day or two Mm. that is fine I can let the well especially this time of year when things are muddy I don't even bother sweeping my dining room or entryway because it's muddy right right you know that it's just an impossible I know it's a battle yeah. it's a battle I will never win this time of year right right so you look at what you can do realistically yeah and what's cool about setting those realistic expectations again we're modeling it for our kids which in turn changes your relationship in a positive way with them And sometimes as moms, we almost, as much as I hate to do it, we have to frame it that if we do this, it's going to be for our kids because they're going to reap the benefits of us being alert, not being exhausted, being calm, being able to have a conversation and not being a busybody. Right. And for most moms, we're not used to making ourselves a priority, And so if that's what it takes, like, okay, doing it for your kids, doing it for your family, because we get stuck in that sacrifice mentality. Um, If you're not ready to take that step to make yourself a priority, do this for your kids. Exactly. And that, you know, I think, and for women, that is such a game changer because we do, we have this, this idea that we have to sacrifice everything and be everything. And then you lose yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's so many times I have, you know, 
moms that come in, women, not even just moms, but women that come in and they're like, I really don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's like having to go back through building, building a loving relationship with yourself and nurturing yourself. And for some women, it is very uncomfortable because this goes against everything we've ever been taught. Mm -hmm. So very true. Mm -hmm. So Krista, what is your favorite way to practice self-care and to recharge? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, my favorite way is um, when I'm Well, when I'm at home, uh, I have four horses. And to me, um, when we're talking outside of like typical traditional therapy, my horses, they are my aromatherapy. They're my physical therapy. They're my occupational therapy. They are my mirror to what my mood actually is. They're my indicator to what I, you know, how I've calmed myself down. Um, they, They truly are my my go-to skill because they can tell me everything that I may not want to admit about myself um my one horse summer she's my go-to gal um she's 22 this year she will let me know exactly what I'm feeling (laughs) and what my mood is based on her attitude when I go out to the field but that for sure is my go-to has always been my go-to skill. My husband knows if I come home from work and I go out to the pasture before I come into the house, even to drop off my bag, he knows he's like, okay, it's been one of those days. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those days, let her be. Um, But as far as therapy skills, even one of my favorite skills that I go to is the idea of realistic affirmations. Um, We hear so much talk about manifestations, positive affirmations, toxic positivity and realistic affirmations are kind of my way of staying present in the moment, but also saying things that I know I'm going to believe because let's Mm -hmm. face it, many of us, are we going to look in the mirror and say, I'm a strong, beautiful individual. (laughs) Oh God. Honestly, you you just can't believe it. (laughs) I can already tell you before it came out of my mouth. I'm like, Carissa, you're full of shit. we go to what is realistic so for me it's being able to say I did what I could today with the information I had today I acknowledge that I had a decent hair day kind of sort of maybe I don't know <laughs> I think your hair looks really cute today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I, I joke my husband laughs at me because when I braid my hair it's usually because it's like all staticky and sticking up <laughs> but Yeah. So it's going down the road of what we know is true. So even by saying example of, I know that I can make a delicious dinner that my kids are going to eat. I have facts that back it up because Mm -hmm. I know my kids have empty plates. They're asking for seconds and I don't have leftovers in my fridge. Mm -hmm. And so when we use these realistic affirmations and we base them on facts, there's something cool happening in our brain. We're increasing the release in receptor areas for serotonin, which is the neurotransmitter that makes us feel happy. We also increase the production of dopamine, which is the neurotransmitter that makes us feel accomplished. And as we're doing that, this strengthens our prefrontal cortex, which naturally then can inhibit the amygdala stress response. So, That's what's cool about it. If we stay based in facts, 
and we do it consistently, we can reverse what our brain does. I love that you just gave the brain science behind the realistic affirmation. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> so what- well, and I mean, you think about like positive affirmations or positive sayings. If you don't believe them- They don't, they don't you know, help at all. They exactly. don't, they serve no purpose. <laughs> exactly. Because you don't have the facts that your prefrontal cortex can kind of argue with your amygdala about. Right. You don't have that evidence. Exactly. So if we use the example of I'm a beautiful woman, because let's face it, none of us believe it. Mm. And we say, I'm a beautiful woman. My prefrontal cortex is going to be like, what facts back that up? Right. And your mental is like, I don't care. You're supposed to believe it. I said it, believe yeah. it. Yeah. Which just increases the stress response. So when yeah. we say I can put my body image aside to focus on more important stuff today, I have facts that back that up. I'm able to be at work and see my clients. I'm able to get my kids off onto the bus. I got my horses back in the pasture this morning. Yay! <laughs> you know, my youngest and I went out and collected duck eggs before we got in. I can honestly say I have the facts that say I know my body image is not the priority today. Mm -hmm. And as we do that, it's amazing what happens, not only in how you talk to yourself, but right. again, how your kids start talking about themselves. Right. Love that. <laughs> so, yeah. I am learning so much today. And even, <laughs> even though it's some of the things you said, you were like, well, as a therapist, you should know. I'm like, no, tell no, me more. Tell me more. <laughs> You can tell me if I'm right or wrong, and maybe this can be validation for people. A lot of this stuff, we learn a little bit in our psychology class as an undergrad, mm -hmm. but as a master's program, we barely touch on it. No, like that's the thing I haven't learned. Like, honestly, like I don't know the neuroscience behind, like I, I draw a lot from cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. and it's, I feel like it's very like practical. It's you know, challenging the self-beliefs and identifying mm -hmm. like what thoughts are coming from that mm -hmm. and, you know, doing behaviors, like focusing yeah. on the thoughts and behaviors, whereas the science part behind it, and you are making it, I love how you're putting it because you are making it so interesting and you are like bringing it down to earth mm -hmm. because I think even if I did learn about it in a science, like in my master's yeah. program, I probably would have blanked out because it yeah. would be dry textbook stuff mm -hmm. like that I just would like kind of glaze over and yeah like, oh yeah I don't need to know that but I I love the way that you're putting it because mm -hmm. you are making it very interesting and maybe mm -hmm. it is your bubbly personality and that probably shows through in your blog it does <laughs> I mean like, yeah, I'm like that's really interesting yeah well and the thing is is one thing that I think is also really cool about it is when we start using examples, and that's one thing I tried to do really a, a lot in my blog, is to have these examples so you can be like, aha, light bulb moment. Um, one of my, you know, my posts that's coming up, and I'm really excited to share it because April is Stress Awareness Month. Um, it's all about why our brain craves comfort food, like chocolate, when we're mm -hmm. really, really stressed. It's a post I did last year, but I'm kind of revising it for um, coming up for the stress month, because let's face it, as moms, I don't know about you, the more stressed I get, the, the more I want chocolate. Yes. 
I didn't even know that April was stress, stress awareness mm -hmm. month. I just focused entirely in March all on stress. Yeah. I'm like, I really yeah. need to look into like what month is what. So I, that I could well, correspond. Really cool because <laughs> we got stress, stress is um, April. So stress awareness month. July is teen mental health. Um, I want to say it's June is women's mental health. November is men's mental health. Okay. Um, October is suicide awareness month. Yeah, is there, so there is months for everything. I need to get my calendar together so I can choreograph my themes. Yeah, that's kind of like my the dork side of me. Um, and most of my clients know I'm the one who knows the obscure holidays. You'd be great on like trivia nights. Oh, it, it's fun on <laughs> trivia nights. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, the thing is, is when we bring it out, it becomes engaging. You want to learn more about it. You want to know, okay, so I'm not just crazy. This is, mm -hmm. my brain is truly being stupid. Right, right. Your brain and, is actually. And to me, that is at, at the heart of the blog. I mean, it's to mm -hmm. make it accessible and understandable. So you don't have to feel so scared and alone. Hey mom, short on time, but feeling like you're at the end of your rope or that your bucket is nearing empty. Grab this list of 15 self-care practices that you can do in under 15 minutes. These ideas will get you quickly back on track and are great for moms who are limited on time. I think that's most of us. So check out the show notes or go to momswithoutcapes.com backslash self-care-ideas to download your list today. So what, what book can you recommend or what book do you feel that has greatly impacted your life? Oh my gosh. Um, although it's not, I, I have so many fun ones that I love, like example, Atomic Habits, especially if you mm -hmm. want to learn more about the brain, great book to go with. But my favorite book, and I, I don't know if I can actually swear, <laughs> but it is. Okay, it's a market for explosive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the subtle art of not giving. And what I love about this, and this is um, truly written from, an, from a point of view um, of how do we stop caring about what people are doing around us? How do we focus on ourselves? How do we stop playing that comparison game that we're all really, really good at? And I love it because it gives details. It's short, sweet to the point. And there's no secret. It's not like some of these books that are self-help books and you're reading and they say the next chapter will, the next chapter will, and you get to the end of the book and you're like, there was nothing. <laughs> this one is like, okay, it lays it out, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It is there. And I have to admit, I love books like that. Mm -hmm. I actually gave that book to my daughter. She, my, she's 22, so I yeah. gave it to my 10-year-old. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I gave it to her for a couple of Christmases ago. And he said, did you read that book yet? Because I, I need to, now that you brought that up, I've mm -hmm. got to get it back from her so that I can yeah. borrow it. Oh, no, it is really <laughs> great. But if you're, one of the other books I think that I have to bring up too is the, the book series, You Are a Badass. Yes, I've got that. I absolutely, I love that series. Yeah. Again, she is very quick. She's to the point. She is quick-witted. Um, it makes for an interesting read. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that book series too. I have a few on my shelf mm-hmm. that I'm like, I, yeah. I picked up. I think I read them Kindle and then I picked up the book when I saw it somewhere. I'm like, this is this is a good book to have on here. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, no, I keep looking at my bookshelf because I am, I'm a bookworm. Yeah. And I try, in my, it's kind of fun. If you're looking at my blog, I have an entire, it's called the book club and it's all the books that I recommend. Okay. Um, all books that I have personally read. So it's not like they're just reviews or anything like blind mm-hmm. reviews out there, but they're all books that go along the idea of neuroscience and explaining your brain to you. And some of them are funny. Some of them are kind of, you know, more serious than others, but all great information and all books that I recommend in my practice as well. So where can listeners find you? Okay, they can find me at thatdarnamygdala.com. That is where the blog is. It's where my book club kind of is. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Um, I do have a a Facebook group, again, That Darn Amygdala, um, where we talk about free monthly masterclasses about breaking down one coping skill and how to utilize it. So this month we went over, um, since I focused on depression this month, we went over kind of using behavioral activation and why it's important to use it to trick our brain into being uh, motivated. Right, right. I talk a lot about in my, my, my blog about how we trick our brain. We, mm-hmm. Sometimes you kind of have to. Right. <laughs> um, but so you guys can find me over there. Um, coming up in April, like I said, we're talking a lot about Stress Awareness Month. Um, May, which I'm kind of excited for, I'm going to be talking a lot about um, technology and its use on our mental health. Um, I just did a Facebook live this morning about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm really excited to share that, um, especially since, as you know, as a therapist, the new DSM is potentially coming out and, a, you know, internet addiction, technology addiction is going to be in there. Okay. That's, so. I, I, I knew they were thinking of it. So, yep. So, that's kind of what you can expect from me. The other thing I'd love to share, because through this, has it has become very clear that people want to have access to mental health care. So I wanted to share that um, I have started my own mental health practice, The Joyful Mind, awesome. where I specialize not only in explaining the neuroscience to you, but how to kind of uh, multitask your mental health to make it not just work for you, but to work for your family. Um, that is... To me, especially when I see women who struggle to slow down, it's kind of, again, my way of tricking them to slow down. Right. <laughs> you know, so, sometimes, sometimes you just have to do it that way. <laughs> agree, agree. <laughs> but, uh, and also part of that, I wanted to share that there's this amazing collective that I'm part of. It's called the Open Path Collective. Um, This is a mental health resource. So let's say you're underinsured, you don't have insurance, or you just can't afford the co-pays that go along with seeking out therapy. Um, The Open Path Collective is a kind of a a sliding scale fee program that you sign up, they get you connected with therapists, and you only have to pay like $30 to $60 per session versus you know, like the 120, 150, 200, 250, as I have seen some Mm -hmm. therapists advertise um, dollars per session. So it's another way of helping you get mental health care that you can afford. Is the information for that found on your website? 
It is. Okay. All right. So if you are listening to this episode and you want to follow up on anything that Chris had just explained, then go ahead and go to her website. It'll be found in the show notes. So Krista, thank you so much for joining me today. This was an awesome conversation. Very interesting. And I hope that the listeners learn something today and go on to to use what they learn. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to kind of share that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.